0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for tonight. As we gather in our midweek Bible study, and some suppose that it's not time to refill, Lord, but there'll be a time, Lord, where people will look for the counsel of God and not find it. We pray that you speak to our hearts and that we would open up and listen to your word tonight as we're called to reach out to others. But if they can't see the fruit of what you've called us to, then there's nothing attractive to cause them to come. So bless your word tonight and give us wisdom and let us lean into your heart and hear your heartbeat and your desire for man and that we grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his purpose that your word be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, our stubbornness continues to pull us away from your desire and the reflection of your glory. So allow your word today to be a good seed planted in good hearts and that we not just be hearers of the word but doers, that we not postpone your glory and this relationship that connects us with you, Lord, but that we might understand what the basis of our connection is And that we might pursue it to its fullest extent. Bless all those that are listening to this word. Either here physically or through the online podcast or live stream. Bless them Lord. Allow them to come into your purpose. And prosper them O God. We give you thanks in Jesus name. Amen and amen. We're in Romans chapter 9 verse 1. Paul is upset. He's saying that he would like to celebrate. Um, the victory of the Lord, that nothing will separate him from the love of God. And then he says, I'm greatly saddened by those, verse 2, Romans 9, verse 2, I'm greatly saddened and grieved in my heart by those who are and should be. Verse 3, I have great sorrow and continual grief. I I want to say something. Uh, The things that make God happy should make you happy. That's, that's a good indication. And the things that make God sad should make you sorrow. And, and that, that means you have a healthy spirit. If you're rejoicing, and this is one of the things I first told God when I first came to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't want to be in the church and thinking about I'm missing out on a party. I want to celebrate your joy in your presence. I, I don't want to be... At church, missing out in the world, or at the world, missing. I want to feel what you feel, in other words. And so Paul is feeling what God feels. I could wish that I myself would be lost from Christ, disconnected, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, that they would be connected. Verse 4. Because it's to them that belong these things. These, my countrymen, Israel, the people of God, to them belong to be adopted. How many have been adopted? Absolutely, we've been adopted by the Spirit of the Lord. As Romans 8.15 says, that the Spirit we have received is not a Spirit that makes us slaves into bondage, into fear. But we've received the Spirit of adoption. Now, I, I know I belong to this family by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I know that in my adoptive relationship, I'm not just a guest at church. I'm not just a visitor. I'm a son of God. And he's my father, and, and, and he knows what I need before I ask him. Going back to verse 4, Romans 9, 4, he says, To them belong the adoptions, to them belong the glory. Let's go to chapter 9, verse 4. To them belong the glory, the adoptions, the glory. We, we talked about glory last week. Um, glory is when the full expression of the beauty of God's grace is in your life. And so if, if you're still going around ugly and sad and upset, ask God to show you his glory in your marriage. Lord, I want the, your glory in my relationships. I want your glory in my character. I want your glory in my, in my serving you. I want to see your glory, not my glory. God, God is not going to share his glory with anyone. Um, and then he uses the words, to them pertain the covenants. This word covenant is a weird word. We don't use it very often. Covenant. Um, we, I was, I was sharing with a young man saying, how sad that God wants to have a relationship with man and we are strangers of this covenant. We are disconnected. We don't even know what a covenant is. What would be the definition of a covenant? Uh, Ephesians two twelve. Paul says, "At one time we were in this world. You were without Christ, and you were strangers or illegal aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of His promise, and you, you just totally unaware." Having no hope and without God in this world. So what does a covenant do? It gives you, it delivers hope. You know something's coming to your door. And it connects you with God. Let's go put that verse back up there. At one time we were without the covenants. Having no hope and without God. So when we have the covenants, we have hope. And we have God in this world. God shows up in a relationship with those who share in something called covenant. And people don't know what covenant is. They they haven't been told. Um, There has never been a time upon the earth that God has had a relationship with any man without being a covenant. So there's those that are in covenant and those that still are strangers to covenant. They don't even know about it. They haven't been told that there are covenants. Um, In every relationship that God has had with man, if we read Exodus 24-7, this is how man would come back and connect with God. He would say, what is the expression of God's agreement towards us at this time? So they used to go and pull out the books of the covenant. Exodus 24-7. They used to read. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. What is is the relationship God has with us in this time? They used to read what was written down in the covenant. And they would tell God all that the Lord has said in this covenant we will do and be obedient. What what is, if, if God extends an agreement there are people outside of the agreement, people in the agreement. The people that are in agreement are saying everything the Lord has said we're going to do. And we're going to line up and be obedient. We are partakers. We are members. We, we are the ones. Listen, there's people that don't have a clue what the covenant is. And there's people that know what the covenant is and are in relationship with God. And their life is filled. I think that the peace of God upon my life Upon my marriage, my family, is the fact that we are covenant keepers with the Lord. We keep his covenants. Um, there's something called a promise keeper. Uh, it was a movement in the United States. And so these men would promise that they would do certain things. There was a list of ten things that they would do. And so they were called the promise keepers. We will love our wives. We will lead our families. We will go to church. We will, we will read our Bibles. We will pray. So all these these promises that they were keeping, and, and now a step above a promise is a covenant. This is something that is more in line with God's desire for our life. You could see it in Psalm 50 verse 5, how God considers who will partake. Psalm 50 verse 5 says, Gather to me, my chosen, bring them near to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. What's the, what's the story? I'm going to connect intimately with those that are willing to enter into covenant. Um, you might have heard one of the most powerful covenants upon the earth. It's called the marriage covenant. Marriage covenant is when a man and a woman decide to come before God and before witnesses and exchange their promise to enter into the marriage covenant and say, you know something? What God intended for us to be as a husband and wife will cause the inventory of heaven to be showered upon this relationship. That means... um, Open heavens for God to pour out immensity of his grace and goodness. We saw that, uh, his glory. The immensity of the goodness of God upon a man and a woman who decide that they will enter in to the covenant of marriage. And, And so supernatural, when Paul is saying in Romans 9 verse 4 that that there is something that belongs to the people who are connected with God, he says it's not only the adoption to make God their father, it is not only to dress themselves with the perfection of his grace, which is glory, but there are covenants. You see it's plural there? It's not one covenant. It's, it's, It's covenants because there are many relationships that govern man's journey upon the earth that are to be shrouded and entered into by the covenant of God. He says, these will be my chosen ones. These will be the faithful ones. Uh, I'll read uh, Psalm 50 verse 5 in another translation. He says, gather to me my faithful people. Those that are able to engage in covenant are faithful. What happens to a man who decides I'm not going to get married with this woman? Well, you can expect that to be an unfaithful man. You could, be, you could expect that man not to deliver the goods because he hasn't taken the first step in a marriage relationship, which is enter into covenant. And, and for many people, they don't even know the blessings of that. But here it is, the definition of covenant in its general sense is a formal agreement. Something that, that causes things to enter into formality. Well, she doesn't return my phone calls because what you got going on is not formal. Well, she doesn't listen to me because what you got on, what you got going on is not formal. Well, I wish what he would do, what you have going on is not formal. There's no expectation of any delivery by an unfaithful person. It's those that are entering into covenant that are willing to sacrifice a formal agreement between two parties with specific obligations on each side. Uh, That that is why a lot of people avoid covenant because there's an expectation to deliver responsibility. Um, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Douglas or Kurt, Kurt Russell, I believe is his name, they've never been married. They said we don't have to be married to say that we like each other. Absolutely not. The scenario is that the covenant that God has created is a covenant that begins to protect and shower your family with the blessing of God. So these covenants are uh, an agreement between two parties with specific obligations on both sides. And it usually lists the privileges, the rewards, and the blessing for those who keep the covenant. For there's, there's, there's an expectation Now, just as there's the good for keeping the covenant, the Bible shows that when you're not in a covenant relationship and you fall outside, there's punishment. There's consequences. There's uh, sanctions. um, Some will say even curses for those who break. If you go to um, Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, he says, if you decide to walk away Verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow his commands and keep his decrees that I give you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And so, in our family for years, we didn't understand why there were so many things going on in a good family. Why were so many things falling on our lives? And this word curse is a horrible thing. I I don't think there's anything worse than the word a curse hex. This is a bad luck that will follow you wherever you go. It will come on you and overtake you. Verse 16, you'll be cursed um, in the country. You'll be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the country. You walk away from covenant and, and severe consequences come upon your life, which is not healthy. Verse 17 your food, where you keep your food, your basket, your kneading thorough, where you, 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 you massage your bread to make bread, this will be cursed. Talking about your provision, your income, what sits on your table. Verse 18. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. Uh, I have a friend of mine, Craig Hill. He has a whole study on people that decide to have babies without the marriage covenant. They decide to have children, but not in covenant. And so I I know what one of those curses is, is that they will will decide one day they don't need to be married to have a baby and have a relationship. So they, they follow a bad example. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land, the calves of your herd, the lambs of your flock, all the increase of the blessing God has for you turns in a somewhat negative and derogatory way. Now this is the way God explains it in Jeremiah 34, 18. Those who have violated my covenant and not fulfilled the terms of the covenant that they made before me, those who violated my agreement, my relationship, and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf that they cut in two and then walked between its pieces. And the, in the ceremony of entering into a covenant, they used to say, Lord, we want to enter into a special relationship with you and this, this offering is going to be split in two and we'll walk right between it. So the one side of the animal here, one side of there, Blood in the middle. And they would walk. And God is saying, okay, everything is fine. But the day that you walk away from my covenant, your life becomes like that calf. It will fall apart. There will be no favor from God. It will become a a twisted and bad day. Why was God so serious about these covenants? It's there in um, Genesis 17.2. All these covenants were celebrated as I'm going to start walking with God. I'm going to start receiving from God what he has for me. And so God would enter in with individuals. He would enter into covenant with families. He would enter into covenant with nations, with kings. And he told, he told Abraham these words. Then I will make my covenant between you, between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. I want to say that that every uh, covenant is a serious situation. It's not not for immature people. That's why a lot of people don't even come close to entering into it. And God means what he says and says what he means. I will make you increase. You'll be great in numbers. Um, He's always had a covenant with his people for a long time. Verse 3. Abraham fell on his face. This is, this is a serious matter to bow down before God that wants to have a relationship with us. Um, some people don't have a relationship that's serious with anyone. And there when he falls on his face, the Bible says, and God said to him these words. He's entering it into with his servant Abraham, verse 4. As for me, behold, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father over many nations this god's hand is going to come and just shower this man with the extent of heaven's fury we know that god had this relationship with adam in the garden hosea chapter 6 verse 7 says that he had an expectation that there would be loyalty in the relationship that you're not going to you're not going to treat this as a as your relationship with a butcher down the street. Or a plumber or electrician. You're, gonna, you're, you're dealing with God here. And so here in Isaiah. I mean Hosea chapter 6. Let's go to verse 6 first. Hosea 6.6. Six. For I desire love and not sacrifice. I desire acknowledgement of God. Rather than burnt offerings. A lot of times we want to shove things in God's presence. That it's not consistent with the genuineness of the covenant we have for him. We want to postpone our side of the relationship. We want to give him something other than what he's asking. Verse 7. This is what Adam did when he forsook. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. And they showed that they weren't being loyal to me. They were being unfaithful. Uh, You and I both know why children don't get married. Does anybody know why children don't get married? Because their immaturity doesn't allow them to deliver the goods. They can't be loyal. They can't be faithful. But the covenant is for faithful people. And he's saying, I had a covenant with Adam at the beginning, and he broke that agreement. He broke that covenant, and he was unfaithful to me. In Genesis 6, verse 18 When he shows up and tells Noah that he's going to enter into a covenant. This is the very first time we see the word covenant in the Bible. I will establish my covenant with you, Noah. You will enter into a safe place, the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. There's going to be protection there. In covenant, there is protection for your family. There's a lot of people today that have no clue what it is, the seriousness of covenant, the seriousness of a relationship of faithfulness. So you'll see, we'll go to uh, Hebrews 9, verse 13. No longer was it gonna be a covenant like Adam's or like Noah's or like Abraham's. It was gonna be the new covenant, a new covenant that would not be on the basis of goat's blood it's not going to be a covenant based on the blood of goats and the, uh, the blood of bulls and the ashes of a heifer, that's, a, that's a, uh, a male cow, sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. Sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Verse 14, not blood of goats and bulls, not an animal sacrifice. He says, how much more will the blood of my son how about an agreement with God based on the blood of his son? When, when I was a, a, a young man, I remember being 10 years old, and I would tell best friends, I would tell my cousins, let's, let's make a blood agreement. You prick yourself, and I'll prick myself, and we'll, 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 you know, promise that we'll always be friends. And if not, then stick a needle in your eye. You're like, oh, man. Those were heavy agreements, Right? I want to ask you, what is the most serious agreement you've entered into into your life and your capacity to be able to honor that agreement? How much more the blood of Jesus through an eternal spirit offered himself unspotted to God so that we could never again say that God wasn't serious about a relationship so that we might serve him in a powerful, real way? And so I I want you to know that that is what is being extended in our dispensation, uh, our time period of life. It's no longer bulls and goats. It's It's a new covenant in his blood. He would say this to his people in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, he announces the time of a new covenant. It's not gonna be that one of You do something bad and I'll get you back bad. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Verse 32, what's in this new covenant? What was being promised and what was being talked about? He says, in that time, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, with Noah, with Abraham, with David, with Moses, when I took them out uh, by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I wanted to have a relationship with them as a husband. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. I wanted an intimate relationship. How cheap we have treated our Christian relationship with the Lord. We, we don't understand that. Verse 33, he says, this is the way that you can covenant with a husband. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after this time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. God is not going to give you anymore a book that you carry around. And that, you know, you you have to make sure that. No, he says, I'm going to write my laws upon their heart. It's going to be inside of us. It's going to be in our thoughts. It's going to be a relationship with God in this new covenant. And so that's what he was declaring at that point of the covenant. If you see the, the announcement of the covenant of the Lord on the day of his. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's breaking bread, he's uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper we celebrate here at the church every first Wednesday of the month everybody who comes on Sunday should be here breaking the bread because that signifies they're celebrating the new covenant where the blood of Jesus was going to be poured out as a symbol and sign of this relationship let's read um, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 25 as he is expressing What is going on and what he's entering into with those who follow Jesus and accept his sacrifice on the cross, uh, Paul says in the same manner after supper, Jesus took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant that has to do with my blood. This is not goat's blood, it's not chicken blood. A lot of santeros here in Miami and and babalaos and mamalaos and madrinas and padrinos they're, they're putting chickens all over town. I see them. In every intersection, there's a little bag with a poor chicken. And, and if you go to these places that sell these animals and just sit there and watch people come and take a chicken, take a goat. And they're doing sacrifices for healing. They're doing sacrifices for financial blessing. They're doing sacrifices to hex, their marriage partner, or their spouse. They're, they're doing all types of blood sacrifices. They don't know that the most powerful blood has been poured out for us to have health, financial provision, peace, blessing, provision. There's a relationship with God based on the on the this is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Celebrate the Lord's table whenever you come around to drink it, remembering what you guys have now that there is a new covenant. The new covenant is that God forgives all sin. That in the sacrifice of the cross, a relationship with God is a a total connect. Um, To not live connected to God brings in a lot of darkness in your life. Brings a lot of fear. Allows you to, to feel distant and disconnected. Um, there, there are some really crazy things that could happen to us in this lifetime. And I want to tell you when you go back to the terms of the agreement of the new covenant of the Lord. The devil doesn't have any chance to fool you. He has no chance to bring any doubt that the love of God is all over you. Full blast and without reserve. Because the blood of Jesus is there as a sign and a seal. And you can you can constantly uh, go back and remind the Lord and the devil and any demon that wants to come to your life to question what God has said and what God is doing in the book of Hebrews. There there is seventeen times that it refers to this new covenant. We already read that it's not like um, it's not bull's blood, it's not goat's blood, it's not hen's blood, it's not your you know, your blood, brotherly love. They say blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus has come to mark us in such a way that there's no doubt that we're kept in his love. We're kept in his promise. And, and at previous times, the devil might have told us. Look what he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 20. We just read what Paul said to the Corinthians, reminding them what Jesus did here in Luke 22.20. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said these words, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which I'm pouring out for you. That, that, that seals the deal right there. That is, that is the, the, the reality of what God has in his heart to be connected with you In this new covenant of his blood, where he will write down, he says, he will write down um, his laws upon your heart and upon your mind so that you could walk like he wants you to walk. Let's go to Isaiah 55, verse 3. Isaiah spoke also of this coming time. Give ear and come to me and pay attention that you might obtain this life. And I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with you to express to you my faithful love just like the love I promised to David. God wants to enter into a serious agreement with you. When will he fail in his agreement? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's sealed. It says in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 that there was power in bringing a goat and a bull and a turtle dove and a sacrifice before God. But the fact is that the ministry of Jesus that we have received is superior to the covenant which they had. Now he is the middle person. It's not a goat. It's not a bull. And he is superior. This, this, This covenant is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. The old covenant is you come and you agree with God and you're both in agreement. The new covenant is God's gonna do it in you. God's gonna cause you through his spirit to be able to live a life that honors God. And that is the most powerful thing that we can participate with. Um, in the last year, that has been um, Pastor Medieto's. Every sermon has been in the new covenant. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about what God is doing in me. It's not about where I'm reaching. It's about how God is living through me that allows us to live in a powerful manner. Let's stand tonight. And there is no worse scenario than for you to live a relationship through a third party a lot of people want to enter into a relationship with pastor of the church or with the families of the church I want to tell you that, that you should understand that this relationship you have is a relationship with God it's based on on a exchange Paul says like this because he gave his all for me in this new covenant, my only reasonable response is to give him everything I am. Those are the ones that are part of these of this covenant. About three years ago, they invited us, Yvette and I, to, to share at something called covenant keepers. Covenant keepers. And there are people that, that, that want to salvage their marriage. They want to bring the blessing of God over their children. And so they have an annual conference They've been going on for 21 years. And they invited us to preach, uh, to be the keynote speakers there uh, about three years ago. And, and I was asking them, what is the character of a covenant keeper? Is he faithful? Absolutely. Does he does he come up short to what? And, and I, I want to give this illustration because it's super powerful. Uh, if I tell you I'm going to your house next Monday at nine o'clock in the morning and I don't show up, what do you think of me? I gave you my word. You say he's a liar. He doesn't keep his word. That's one level of relationship. And there's some people that you'll decide whether to be in a relationship with them or not based on if they're a liar or not. I don't like to hang out with liars. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So if a person can't give his word, I won't be hanging out with them very much longer. Somebody asked me, why, why do you ha- keep so many people away from your life? Because I don't hang out with just anyone. I hang around with serious people. And there's an expectation of when they say something that, that their word is is, is they're honor. And if they don't have a word, there's no honor in the relationship, so I won't partake. Now, what if I say, um, I'll be there Monday, I promise. Nine o'clock on Monday, I promise I'll be at your house. I gave you my word first, but you said, no, you, you already messed up. You, you gave me your word and you didn't fulfill it. Well, I'm giving you something a little bit more precious, which is a promise. I promise you I'll be there Monday at nine o'clock in the morning. And I don't show up. Now I'm not only a liar, but I'm a promise breaker. I break what I promise. And then we see each other again, and I say, look, I messed up the first time. Forgive me. I messed up the second time. I promised something. The third time is I'm going to enter into a covenant with you. A covenant is an unbreakable promise. I say, I covenant with you that on Monday at 9 o'clock in the morning, I'll be there. And, and this is the relationship that God enters into with his disciples. First he says, I give you my word. The Bible says he has great and precious promises he gives us. And then he says, I enter into the new covenant of my blood. Now now let's, let's, let's never drop the ball. Who does that? Could you, could you answer that question? Someone who loves Jesus Christ. Somebody who wants to honor the blood. Somebody who wants to show forth that his character is like his Lord's. That he's not going to ever, ever, never, ever, never, never. This is what Jesus says. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'm never going to cheat you on this relationship. And it takes a real powerful maturity. It takes a real powerful character. Because we're living in a time where men have no word they don't keep their promises, they fear covenant. There was a time a while back where a lot of churches were asking their followers at church, will you enter into covenant to never under any circumstances leave this church? I was like, whoa. I've already left six churches, I don't have covenant. I don't covenant with men. Well that's just your problem. Some of you have issues with marriage covenant. It's not just any girl. It's not just all the time. It's just not on the third, fourth, fifth. Now, God is constantly inviting us to take this serious. And there's no imposition about it. I can't make you covenant. But if you have a character of covenant, I promise you there's going to be rewards and privileges and expressions of heaven you never knew. One of the guys came up to me like five years ago. He says, Pastor, if I ever see anything wrong in your life, I'm out of there. I'm leaving your church. I said, hey, how about me, brother? Don't I get to leave too? You oddball of a person. He's trying to make me your Messiah. No, sir, you have issues. But we're all, we all have that tendency to want to cut and run and not honor and not covenant and, and I, I think God is pressing us into understanding there's people out there that need to know what God has said about the covenant the new covenant in his blood and the deal he's made for a relationship with God to open up the heavens we, we need to be conscious and real about that and then us here if the people out there do not see the seriousness of our covenant with God hey are you going to church no I'm going to go have an icy I'm kind of tired tonight really I know a Buddhist that would never do that to his God. I know a Mormon that would never do that to Moroni. I know a Jehovah witness that serves God with more legitimacy than you do trampling the blood of Christ because you didn't even know the covenant you're into. You're sleeping at home tonight with your wife? No, I'm going down the street to be with the neighbor just one, just one time. That's an unfaithful man a man unwilling to lay down his life for his wife. Father, thank you tonight for sharing your heart with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit reminding us about the severity and the seriousness of this relationship that we're into. Paul was saying there were so many of his countrymen that were foreign to the covenants that God had extended towards them. We don't want to be far, Lord, We don't want our children to walk as if there is no covenant. There is no obligation, no responsibility. All we talk about are the rewards and the privileges and the benefits of having, the blessing of having a relationship with the Lord. But as I've told my children often, we have a grave obligation to be faithful to the God who laid down his life for us. Everything in our life speaks of his faithfulness and our covenant relationship with him is to honor him above the daily affairs of common life. Allow us to understand this, Lord, that we not trample in the blood of Jesus and that we not insult the spirit of grace that has given us such a precious new covenant in the blood of Jesus. Allow us to understand and to embrace the maturity of a covenant relationship with a faithful God. We give you thanks and we bless you in the name of the Lord. And the house of God says amen, amen, amen. amen." Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.